Bug Snacks and Ooblets, Cute is What They Aim For, by Ty Gullisville. I think it would be fair to say that 2020 has been the year of several trends in gaming, but there's one in particular that I've noticed on the rise. Wholesome games. More and more indies are getting noticed by appealing to audiences who want chill vibes and cute friends. Wholesome Games has even been turned into a social media brand, with developers who make these wholesome titles coming together to show off their work and support others doing the same. These kinds of games have never been more popular. But what do we mean when we describe a game as wholesome or cute? Who gets to decide which games make the cut and which don't? Don't get me wrong, I'm an avid lover of the cute and anything that will provide me with funky little friends, but as wholesome games rise in popularity and reach, We need to interrogate what we mean when we describe them this way, and what they're actually doing with that description slash aesthetic. Earlier this year, I wrote about my experience with Pokemon Cafe Mix, and how it uses its cuteness to ensnare players in its various microtransactions. This has been on my mind since, and as the year has gone on, we've gotten even more games that bank on their cuteness. Spiritfarer, a game that has been lauded for its gentle and cozy approach to death, has been compared to a warm bubble bath by IGN and called Comforting by Polygon. It also featured a storyline about a character who uses a wheelchair that was deeply ableist and caused enough of a stir that developer Thunder Lotus put out an apology for it. All too quickly, it becomes apparent whose comfort and coziness these games are looking to prioritize, whether they realize it or not. Of course, looking through the replies to Thunder Lotus's apology on Twitter, there are all kinds of people questioning how anything about this game could be taken negatively. After all, it's so wholesome. All too often, a game's cute or wholesome nature is enough for people to write off any issues it may have, even when the developers themselves are trying to own up to it. This sort of willful ignorance to what these games are doing based solely on their cute visuals and cozy vibes is insidious, and it's something we need to not only be aware of, but interrogate. Bugsnax from Octodad developer Young Horses is another one of these wholesome darlings. Its critters comprised of food with googly eyes slapped on have captured hearts across the internet and made a pretty big splash. However, while playing the game, it becomes rapidly apparent that its cute and wacky style is nothing more than a weak diversion, a red herring haphazardly thrown out to distract from the mounting feeling that something terrible has happened and will likely happen again. But more, it's been used by critics to ignore some of the more glaring issues within this game. Booksnacks has been called a quote-unquote queer paradise by some, and to be fair, there are several queer characters in the game whose issues don't stem from coming out or some terrible tragedy. But you'll forgive me if I don't exactly feel represented by a gay man who's the goofy equivalent of a QAnon conspiracy theorist, or the non-binary scientist who has canonically committed ethical breaches in their research. Or the knockoff lesbian Steve Irwin, whose last shot at credibility is colonialism. I'm here for complicated queer characters, but not when their edges are meant to be wacky flavor text and nothing more. Additionally, others have used the cute and wacky nature of Bug Snacks to undercut the way it's playing with body horror and the macabre in general. Arguments that the game's climax is not scary, or at least invoking horror, because the Bug Snacks are fundamentally cute and silly looking creatures, ignores not only the text, but also years of horror both within games and without. Are we going to say that Doki Doki Literature Club isn't a horror game just because Monica is a cute anime girl? Are we going to ignore the traditions of haunted toy stories and horror because, after all, they're just toys? 
Taking things people would normally find cute or innocuous and flipping them on their heads is a staple of horror, and to ignore that is ignorant of the medium at best. What's more, it shows the danger innate in arguing that any work of media's cuteness or wholesomeness absolves it of things that it's doing in the text. Lisbert may not look like a Cronenberg monster at the end of Bugsnacks, but that doesn't change the fact that she has become an amalgamation of parasites that basically consumed her from the inside out. All the googly eyes in the world won't change that. Now that isn't to say that cuteness hasn't also been wielded with intention to combat some of the darker aspects of certain genres of gaming. Ooblets, Glumberland's new farming slash creature collection sim, purposely used its cute and silly nature to move away from the violent and colonial impulses of its predecessors like Pokemon and Stardew Valley. Instead of the titular Ooblets being forced into combat, or to accompany a character, they're simply allowed to vibe. The same goes for the environment around you. Instead of harvesting resources from the earth violently or at a breakneck pace, you mostly gain them from foraging or receiving them from ooblets and or your neighbors. You do have a little plot of land you're trying to cultivate, but the goal isn't to create optimized factory farming. Ooblets does not center you as the leader of the town or as someone coming to a new place to master it. You're just a person looking for a fresh start in a nice place with some funky little friends at your side. This is important because it challenges the colonial notions of games like Animal Crossing, and instead asks that the player work to become part of this new community over time, rather than dominating it and shaping it to their will. Ooblets takes on both farming sins and creature collection, and purposefully reshapes them into something more hopeful for the genre, a world focused on community and sustainability, rather than a cottagecore power fantasy. Cuteness, like any other aesthetic framing, is a tool, and quite an effective one. As both critics and consumers, we need to be aware of this and how it's being used in the media we enjoy. We cannot allow ourselves to passively consume things because we are enchanted with their wholesome trappings, tempting as it often may be. Not all that glitters is gold, and not all with googly eyes is harmless, as the Grumpuses learned the hard way.